It is a joy to be with you this morning. Um, I recognize that for many of you, I am a stranger, and so let me uh, just briefly introduce myself. As Dr. Allen said, my name is Ryan. I um, come from Melissa, Texas, and uh, as he mentioned and introduced my wife, next year we will, or next month, I should say, next month we will celebrate um, our 23rd anniversary. 23 years of being called Laurel's husband is one of the joys of my life, and um, have three sons who are amazing. 15 years ago, uh, the Lord called me to ministry, and uh, nine years ago, we began the work of planting City Church in Melissa. Um, I'm very humbled to be with you this morning, to stand before you, and um, I just want to say very briefly, this is a really special place to me. Um, the work that the Lord is doing here is so evident uh, to all of us who watch from afar. Um, I say often the the, the, the bright lights of Midwestern Seminary shine all the way down to the skies of Texas. Um, and I'm so grateful for what God is doing here, what God is doing in your lives um, and uh, through this amazing institution. When I received the invitation to come uh, here today, I began to think about this, this stewardship of this calling and the Lord gave me a simple desire. And that desire is to encourage you. I want to encourage you in the calling that God has placed on your life. And uh, while I can't know, what all that is for each and every one of you, I do know that you're here because God has called you. Um, he has called you and placed you here, and he is using this institution to shape you for whatever lies ahead. Um, this is what led me to the selected text. I found that one of the keys to my ministry is the ability to thread the needle between humility and conviction. To be able to thread that needle well, with humility comes the gentle and long-suffering demeanor, which is so necessary to our work. And with conviction comes the strength to stand or speak in the bold, boldly in the face of the winds of culture. As men and women called to steward God's gifts for the church and for the kingdom, we all must learn to thread that needle well. And so I want to, I hope this morning, marry the pastoral gentleness of Eugene Peterson with the convictional proclamation of the great C.H. Spurgeon. I'll confess to you, as we start, that this is one of the greatest areas of sanctification in my life over the last decade. Growing in humble confidence is a work of the Lord. This, by the way, is how I know that Professor Wilson is further along in his sanctification than I am. You were thinking it's because of his prolific writing gift. No, it's the fact that he's from Texas and he doesn't feel like he needs to tell you that every time he meets you. <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'm going to tell you Texas forever whenever I can. Now, what I hope to do is to illuminate this morning Paul's words to the church in Ephesus in such a way that helps us all to grow in gentle humility and convictional strength. I believe as we look at these words, the Lord can do that. As we look at Paul's ministry, his thoughts on his own ministry through Ephesians chapter 3, we will see and we will learn. Would you please stand out of reverence for God's holy word as I read from Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. 
This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he had realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is for your glory. For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus, we pray this morning that you would allow these words to sink deeply into our hearts and souls. As we reflect on our brother Paul's ministry and his life and the power of the gospel, that you would do just that. You would cause us to grow in humility and strength of conviction. You can do this alone. We ask it all in your name. Amen. You may be seated. I read the entire chapter of Ephesians, chapter 3, but I want to focus our attention primarily on the middle section there, verses 17 through 13. Of course, just to give you context, and you know all of this already, but Paul has, of course, reminded us in the early chapters of the gospel message and its power. He's given thanks to the Father for the faith of all of the believers. He's marveled at the power of God to redeem the Gentiles and to tear down the walls of hostility that divided them. He's celebrating the power of God. And as he is thinking about all that God is doing, he pauses, it seems, to reflect on his own life and ministry. He starts a prayer, and then we know he pauses that prayer as he reflects on what God has done. And as he talks about his own ministry and the work of God, we see the humble confidence that is helpful to all believers. In this text, we see the humility of the messenger, the power of the message that he proclaims, and the confidence that that message gives us as messengers. This isn't just something that we as pastors need. We are all, as we know, a priesthood of believers. This is a calling that we all share. And I believe Paul's testimony is a powerful word for us. And so as we look closely, beginning in verse 7, we see the humility of the messenger. Of this gospel, he says, speaking of himself, I was made a minister according to the gifts of God's grace. He reflects on the gospel and he says of this gospel that I was made a minister. This wasn't something that he thought of as optional. He didn't get into it for the money. He didn't get into it for the fame. He didn't blind himself and he didn't throw himself into prison. No, he says that I was made a minister 
And he was made a minister by the gifts of God's grace. He saw his calling as a gift of God's grace. Yes, he was suffering, but he saw everything he did in response to his obedience to what God had done. He could not do anything else because God had made him what he was. What a sweet gift it is to think about those gifts of grace. But also, what an encouraging reminder it is to know that we have each received a measure of God's grace. In a world of celebrity and tribalism, we must remember that the gifts that we have been given are according to the grace of God. When we compare ourselves to others, we must not find ourselves looking across at our brother and sister and think, one, too highly of ourselves or too less of ourselves as we think of their ministry or the work that they're engaging in. We start complaining to God. Do you know when we do that, we are complaining to God about his willingness to pour out his grace? That's foolish. The gifts we have received are just that, gifts of grace. And God gave each of us the gifts that he has given us for a purpose and a reason. He didn't make us all the same. He doesn't use us in all of the same ways, but he does use us all to the same end, his glory. There was a time in my life when I led a business. There was a time in my life when I was a grunt marine. There was a time when I was a missions pastor. There was a time as today that I serve as a teaching pastor. In every role, I was given an opportunity to use the gifts of God's grace given to me specifically. And there wasn't a day that the Father loved me more or less because of what I did. It was all a result of his grace. So whether you're called to be a teacher, a church planter, an accountant, a professor, a preacher, a student pastor, an elder, a missionary, a Sunday school teacher, or a CEO, you are using the gifts of grace that have been given to you. You have been made a minister of reconciliation and been given the gifts of God's grace so that you can do all that you do and bring glory to God. This is why Paul, as he continues that sentence, I was made a minister according to the gifts of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. So often in life, one of the greatest mistakes we can make is trying to do everything under our own strength and forgetting the power of the one who called us. You will bring, God's, you will bring God glory because it is his power at work in you. Think about Paul. He considered himself, as he says in verse eight, the least of sinners. We know very well in 1 Timothy, he calls himself the chief of sinners. Brothers and sisters, your weakness is not so great that you cannot be used by God in a powerful way. Some of you are like me. You failed Greek too, twice. Okay, probably not that bad. But God did not make a mistake when he created you. God didn't make a mistake when he called you. God knew full well what he intended to do in and through your life. And it is a joy to see his power at work in you. Paul saw his ministry as the high honor of his life. He was humbly in awe that God would choose to use him in some way. In our church, we have outlined some values that help us as a family of God, just sort of keep us on mission. One of those values is that everyone has a ministry. The other value is that it's not about me. And we set those values because we live in this culture of competition and comparison and preference. And we wanted to lead our church to be freed of those things as much as we could. 
So everyone, we say, has been given a measure of God's grace to be used by God in some way. Every member of our church. Use those gifts. It's also, it's not about what we want. It's about the kingdom work. His power being stewarded for his glory. In Caravaggio's famous painting of Paul's conversion, you see the apostle lying on his back. He's underneath his horse, but his arms are raised. As I read this text, that image is in my mind. I can't help but think that Paul never got over the fact that God had saved him and called him. He was made a minister according to the gifts of grace through the working of God's power in his life. Paul's words are a picture of the humility of the messenger. With the humility of the messenger, though, we see the power of the message on full display. That's one of the great things of the gospel message. It's highlighted by the fact that none of us are really worthy to do the work that we are doing, but we have been invited into it. And the power of the message was made so clear by the fact that Paul was the one proclaiming it. Look again closely at verse 8 and 9. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Two words stick out to me in those two verses, unsearchable and mystery. Those two words seem to, if we just had them standing alone, they would be words that would have a somewhat of a hopeless connotation, unsearchable and mystery. And yet through Paul's preaching, he has helped others to discover, he has helped the church in Ephesus to discover the riches of Christ and to reveal the plan of God. This wasn't because Paul was powerful, that's his own words. It wasn't unto him. It wasn't because Paul was smart enough or savvy enough. This was the power of the message of the gospel. Remember what Paul had said to the church just a few verses earlier. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Say it with me. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. But God, Paul says, wasn't his power. It was God's power his power and the power of the message that he proclaimed. And the amazing fact is the result of Paul's preaching, which we see in this letter, is the church. Paul is faithful to show them the riches of Christ and to reveal the mystery of the gospel. He has already done that. And as he writes them this letter, he is writing to a church that was born out of that preaching, out of that proclamation. He preached to the Gentiles. He showed them Jesus. He told them the amazing story of God's great plan of redemption. This humble messenger was sent with a message of great power. And when the chief among sinners gave him this message, proclaimed this message, the church was built so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. 
The seeds of the unsearchable riches of Christ and the mystery of the plan of God are planted and the church grows. And look at that power, this organism, this life, the body of Christ born out of the message of the gospel, all to demonstrate the power of God all the way to the heavenly places. I said that the lights of Midwestern shine all the way down to Texas. The light of the power of the message of the gospel reached the heavenlies. The church is the displayed wisdom of God toward the rulers and authorities of heaven. It's as if God looking down upon us might say, I used him and my power through him. I used her and my power through her to proclaim the message of my son. And you see that body? That is my body. They are my people the power of the message. When I look at my family, a wife who loves and serves so sacrificially, three sons who love Jesus and his church. And if I had time to tell you all of my story, you'd know that there's every reason on earth that that not to be so. But I know it's all because of the power of God. I say, along with all the authorities of heaven, when I look at the power of the gospel on even my own life, only an almighty God and glorious God could do that work, worship him. When I look back on the last nine years of our church, city church, when I look at all the things that God has done, when I look just briefly at even the last three months, I see what God has done. And I say with all the authorities of heaven, only an almighty and glorious God could do that, worship him. And when you, brother and sister, when you share the gospel with your friend and they find for themselves the unsearchable riches of Christ, you can say along with all the rulers and authorities of heaven, only an almighty and glorious God can do that, worship him. And when you preach that first sermon and you feel like a total failure and an unknown saint goes to sleep at night more sure of God's love because of your feeble but faithful conviction and proclamation of that powerful message, you might not be able to, but I can tell you assuredly, all the rulers and authorities say only an almighty and glorious God could do that. Worship him. The church is made up of people who can only say, but God. This is God's wisdom and power on display that causes the angels to worship him. And as we think about that message and the power of that message, it takes us in all of that humility and it gives Paul confidence. We see the confidence of the messenger in response to the power of the message and what a beautiful gift it is. God takes the power of his message, the power of the gospel, uses the humble messenger and gives us all great confidence. This, he says in verse 11, all of this work was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is for your glory. What a beautiful gift. The confidence that we see and receive from God as we see the power of his message at work. Paul knows the power of the gospel to save. And because he knows the power of the gospel to save, he comes boldly and confidently to the Father on behalf of the church that he loves. He has such confidence that he's not even thwarted by his suffering. He's imprisoned. He suffered and suffered and suffered. And yet he proclaims to the church, I can come to the Father 
with boldness and with access. God has brought near all of those who were once far off. He has torn down the dividing walls of hostility. He's adopted us as sons and daughters. And we've seen him do all of this in our lives and in the lives of others. And how, when we have seen this, could we have anything other than great confidence in the love and the power of God? We can have confidence in this, friends. No, we come just as Paul does, confidently before the Lord. And it's in this confidence that Paul finally gets back to, after this diversion of reflecting on his ministry, the prayer that he began. It's the confidence that he has in God and the conviction that he has that the gospel is true, that he can come back to the Father and say, once again, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul says, because I know the power of the gospel, because I've seen the power of the gospel at work in the Gentiles and have been graft, they have been grafted in and I believe in the power of the gospel that will allow you, I believe in it so much, I believe that it will allow you to comprehend the breadth and length and the height and the depth of Christ's love for us. What was once unsearchable has become known. We can know it. This is Paul's prayer, that we might know Christ's love. See, as if he, in his prayer, he is saying, even me, the humble messenger, God can and has used. And because of that, I know he is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ever ask. What should be unsearchable riches? What was once a mystery, God has the power to make known. He has the power to make it known up here in our heads where we can comprehend that love and deep in our souls we can know it. God has the power to use the humble messenger, proclaiming a powerful message, to give us great confidence as we take his message to the world in whatever we might be called to do. When my sons were little, we made a Mother's Day gift for my wife. It was an earring holder. Young men, pay attention. This is a good gift. We got some decorative molding and we cut it to size and we made a little frame and we got some chicken wire and we attached it to the back. This was Pinterest before there was Pinterest. Now, when I say that we made this, the reality, they were too young. I am the one who made this gift, but it was a gift from the boys for Mother's Day and they were so excited to help me. I can still see their young faces. So every step as I worked, I would pick them up and I'd set them on our workbench and they would take their little toy hammer out and they would build. As a dad, it brought me so much joy to see my little boy doing what he could do to help. I loved watching him swing that little toy hammer, make a mess with that foam paintbrush. I loved seeing the joy on their face that they were doing something, doing work and good work that would please and bless their mommy. They worked with great confidence because they were making mommy the very best Mother's Day gift that would have ever been made. Brothers and sisters, God is at work building his kingdom. My life, our church, 
Me standing here is a testimony to the power of his work. He is the one who redeems sinners. He is the one who reaches the lost. He is the one who brings hopes to the hopeless, peace to the grieving. He is the one who is making his power known here on earth as it is in heaven and building his kingdom. And yet over and over and over again, he has picked me up. He has set me on that workbench and watched with joy as I swung my little toy hammer, doing what I could do. He is a proud father smiling over his children as he watches us use every tool he has given us by his grace through his power to build the kingdom of God and bring him glory. So brothers, sisters, swing your little hammers. Do the work that God has called you to do. Do it with conviction and with confidence in the power of the message of the gospel that we proclaim. Do it because you know that as we do that work, the heavens break out in worship of our Father and rest in humble confidence that he is the one who is truly doing the work and you just get to enjoy the fruit of the labor. Rest in the strength of knowing it's not up to you. He will have his way for our good and for his glory. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus, we do pray these words after our brother Paul, that you would do what only you can do, that you would continue to use us. I pray for all my friends here in this room, those that are watching from afar, that you would strengthen them. Strengthen them in humility to know that it is you who is at work in them and that you have gifted them according to your perfect will to be used to bring you glory. And strengthen them in conviction to stand, to speak, to proclaim the powerful message of God. We who were once far off have been brought near by the power of that message, and we thank you. And we ask again that you would do more and above we could ever think or imagine as we faithfully walk in obedience with humble conviction before you. We pray these things in the mighty name of Christ. Amen.